All right, top of the morning to you, Four Oaks Church. Pastor Paul here from the home office. It is Thursday, checking my calendar here, March 4th, 2021. We are marching through the book of Exodus, and we have really been camping out in this chapter 16 of Exodus where we see the people of God being delivered um, out of the hand of Pharaoh and the Egyptians. They, they've crossed the Red Sea, miraculous. It's the seminal redemptive moment in the Old Testament. They have now turned their uh, attention, their the, the bow of their ship, towards Sinai. They are heading there to worship God, to receive his word, but yet they've been stopped in their tracks. Um, um, really, they've stopped themselves in their tracks by the fact that they have no food, they have no water, they left Israel, I mean Egypt in haste, and how God has graciously moved towards them. Um, despite their grumbling, he's provided for them in the form of manna and quail. And what we've really seen over these past couple of days is that this is in fact part of God's test for them. It's part of God's design. He, he wants them to know that it is God and God alone that provides for them. It is God and God alone that can give them bread, that can provide, give them provision. And that this is going to take the form of this. Um, they were going to come out daily and, and, and receive that day. You know, the manna was going to be there on the ground in the morning, the quail at night, in the evening. Um, there was not going to be any more or less than they needed for that day. And we talked about how... This was part of God's design to show them that they were dependent upon God for their daily bread on a daily basis. And, and that for us, this means that God gives us enough grace for today. He doesn't give us tomorrow's grace today. He gives us tomorrow's grace tomorrow. And that this is meant to, to keep us dependent upon God for our daily bread. And then Yesterday, we, we, we talked about how this principle is embodied in the person of Christ and how he is our bread. He is the bread of life and that these miracles happening in the wilderness were being reenacted in Jesus's own ministry, feeding of the 5,000, again, to show the people that they have a need that's greater than their daily bread. They need, actually need an eternal bread, an eternal satisfaction and joy. Um, in which only Jesus can provide, and that he is, in fact, the embodiment, the fulfillment of this great miracle in Exodus 16. He is the bread of life. So so that's where we, we've been. We're going to spend one more morning here in Exodus 16, and we, we want to ask the question, um, what does this principle of coming to God, to Jesus as our bread of life, what, what does this look like in terms of the way we order our lives now, okay? Particularly as it relates to this idea of Sabbath. And so I want to go back to Exodus 16, and I want to read the relevant um, section here where, where, where God talks about this, this idea of Sabbath, and then kind of relate that to um, what this means for us today, okay? So, so Exodus 22, I'm sorry, Exodus 16, verse 22. Let me start reading there. On the sixth day, they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came and told Moses, he said to them, this is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. 
Bake what you will bake and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning as Moses commanded them, and it did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. Now on the seventh day, some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. And the Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my law? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out on his of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now, what we are going to do here in these next few minutes is not give an exposition uh, or a systematic theology of the Sabbath, okay, and what it means for us today in every respect. Um, that's a little more comprehensive than what we can embrace. But I do want to give us some principles to think about what this Sabbath principle means in our own life today. And, and, and part of my agenda is to even get us to think about it, right? To get even get us to consider, to even get us to ponder what this idea uh, of Sabbath means for us today, how it's to embody this idea of ongoing dependence upon Jesus as our bread of life. Because oftentimes for 21st century Christians, we tend to think, well, this is just Old Testament stuff, this Sabbath deal, okay? And that was for the people of Israel then. It doesn't really have any relevance for us now. Um, but, but, but there's a couple of problems in thinking that way, okay? Number one, um, this idea of a Sabbath rest, it's actually in the Ten Commandments, right? And this is part of God's moral law, which has an enduring relevance for us um, as believers, okay? Number two, um, this idea of Sabbath um, was an important part of, we know, life in ancient Israel. Um, Jesus dealt with it extensively, and it is referenced by both Paul and the writer of Hebrews, all right? Um, we also know that in the New Testament, this, um, the first day of the, the last day of the week in the Jewish calendar was the Sabbath. Um, but in, in the Christian tradition, it was the first day of the week because that was the day that Jesus rose from the grave called the Lord's Day and that this was observed by Christians in the New Testament. And so we can't just simply like sweep this aside and say that um, it doesn't have any relevance for us. Okay, And, and I want to I gear this discussion um, and compare it to something that we see with the tithe. Okay, So, so we know that in the Old Testament, God called the people to, to allocate a portion of their, um, of their, of their annual income, their, their, their regular income, to the work of the Lord um, in, as part of their worship. And that 10% was, was one of those figures. There was other tithes, but we won't get into all that, but kind of the baseline was 10%. And so when we think about the New Testament, what we often want to say here is that the the tithe has been fulfilled in Christ okay that 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 now it's not that God asks us to give 10% he asks us to give everything okay Jesus has bought us with a price and we have been redeemed and so in 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 that sense um, Jesus has is the fulfillment of of the tithe that 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 has been fulfilled in him and that now the tithe has been replaced by this idea of generosity okay 
And so generosity um, means that for, for some people, um, the, the, the tithe is, would be incredibly generous, maybe a single mom of four, okay? But for there's others of us, 10% would not necessarily be that generous because of our level of income, okay? And so, and so but when we pre- replace this idea with tithe, with generosity, it sort of transforms our understanding um, of what it means. What does it mean to be generous to God with our money, with our service? And, and so, so does that mean the tithe is irrelevant now? No, it just means I think the tithe is still like a good baseline. It's a good baseline to consider where you are. It's just we don't have the same um, obligation towards a strict 10%. Um, as they did in the Old Testament law, this is this has been fulfilled in Christ. Um, but that doesn't mean. But again, that might mean for some of us much more than ten percent, right? So, so I think we have to approach the Sabbath in the same way. And, and the writer of Hebrews says something very interesting as it relates to the Sabbath. And so, if you flip over to Hebrews chapter four, verse nine, um, the writer of Hebrews is going to tell us that the Sabbath, okay has also, just like the tithe, been fulfilled in Christ, okay? So listen to verse 4.8. For if Joshua had given them rest, Hebrews is Hebrews 4.8, God would not have spoken of, a, of another day later on. So then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Now in the context, what the writer of Hebrews is talking about is this idea that the Old Testament Sabbath has been fulfilled in Christ. Christ is now our Sabbath rest. We rest in him. Now, this doesn't mean that the Sabbath is irrelevant for us. It just means it's been fulfilled in Christ, and we have to understand that just as one day of rest pointed, okay, um, to Jesus in the Old Testament, now we have fulfilled, we have embraced this Sabbath rest in its full. God has given us rest from our works, from our sins. We rest in Jesus. Well, at the same time, okay, there's still a principle at work here, okay? And the principle is, how, how, how do we order our lives, okay, around this idea that Jesus is our Sabbath rest? And what Christians for 2,000 years have said is that while the stipulations of the Old Testament Sabbath-keeping law are different for us now, okay, they've been fulfilled in Christ, they're not irrelevant, Um they have an ongoing significance in the fact that we want to be asking, how do we order and structure our lives in such a way that communicates that we trust God, that God is our rest, that Jesus is our rest, and that Jesus will provide? And and, and, and so the way that Christians for centuries have, have answered this is to say, well, you know, it's the first day of the week now, Sunday, where we devote to the worship of God. And we have a pattern of rest where we cease from our daily our, our regular rhythms and routines, and we rest in the work of God. Okay, uh, we rest from our work. We rest from the work of God. Um, and and oftentimes this is so difficult for us as Americans, right? Because we are to rest seems so inefficient. Um, we think we don't have time to rest. Um, money never sleeps. You know, we have to we have to be constantly doing something. But when we abstain from our work, just like the Israelites were to abstain from gathering on the Sabbath, here in Exodus 16, we are communicating that God meets our needs. Okay, that 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 we don't meet our needs ultimately. 
but that God does through Christ. He meets our spiritual needs and he meets our physical needs. Now, there's a lot of good reasons to uh, have a, a Sabbath sort of principle involved in your life, right? Um, and, you know, you need the physical rest. You need the spiritual rest. But it's also that opportunity to remind ourselves that our ultimate Sabbath rest is in Christ. And he's given us everything that we need. And that we can, just like the Israelites, set aside time to in the week where we do something different than our normal rhythm of work, okay? Where we worship, where we fellowship, where we're together. Now understand, we this is less about what the specific things are that we're doing, okay? Are we washing our car? Are we, you know, going to the grocery store? Are we going out to a restaurant? It's, I think it's less about that and much more about our heart in it. Do we have a heart that seeks to see that our rest is in Christ as our bread of life, that he's the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And because of that, we can set aside specific time in the week to honor him, to worship him, to glorify him, to rest in him, to recreate in him. Um, and that this Sabbath principle needs to be a, a rhythm in our life. And this is going to look different for everybody, okay? There's not the same Jewish stipulations from sundown Saturday to sundown Sunday, or you can't walk a specific number of paces from your house, or you can't buy and sell, or I, I don't, again, I, don't, I think that's beside the point. I think what's not beside the point, though, is that as believers who now have rest in Christ, we want to be asking, how do we walk in faithfulness before you, God, um, with a principle of of rest, spiritual rest, and physical rest that communicates to everyone around us that we are resting in you, that we are trusting in you, that we are walking with you. And when our lives don't look fundamentally any different than those people around us and our culture around us, we have it would be right we would right be right to ask, what is our understanding of the rest of Jesus? Are our souls really resting in him? And so so one of my big agendas coming out of this time, I'm going to wind it up now, is just to begin to encourage you to ask that question. What does the principle, okay, a Sabbath look like in my life or in my family's life or in my marital life or in my school life, okay? Are there times where I am specifically unplugging, um, getting off my regular rhythm of work, where I can restore my soul, replenish my body, focus on my relationships in my life, my church family, my my nuclear family, my friendships, relationships, um, in a way that communicates that I am entrusting my life to God. And so, so again, this is a, a question that we want to ask ourselves. It's one that I think 21st century Christians um, fail too often to ask, okay, and we can see the effects of it, right, in terms of stress, overwork, anxiety, all those sorts of things. We never unplug our technology. It's a whole nother, another piece, right? So I think it's, it's more accurate not to say that Jesus abolished the Sabbath or he abolished the tithe, but Jesus fulfilled the Sabbath. Jesus fulfilled the tithe, and now we have a life of generosity in front of us. We have a life of resting in Christ in front of us, and we want to have rhythms, like setting aside a portion of our finances or setting aside a portion of our time 
that let us know that our needs are fully met in Christ, that we are resting in him and that he is our Sabbath. So, so that's one little lesson from um, Exodus 16. Now, tomorrow we're going to be into Exodus 17, and, um, and as Israel continues their journey further into the wilderness to worship God, let's pray. Lord, we ask now that you would um, remind us, you would renew us in this idea that you are our Sabbath rest. And in that in you and you alone um, do we find our needs fully met. And Father, that we can get off our, our, our regular rhythms of work for a portion of our time each week, knowing that you will provide all of our needs. Lord, we ask these things in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.